Let's get it going across the state far and wide on the Rural Radio Network. The midday program is on the air. I'm Dirk Christensen, and here is the roundtable, the opportunity to get a preview of the information coming up during the midday program over the course of the next couple of hours here on your Rural Radio Network station. First off, over to Jesse Harding we go to find out what's going on in agriculture. Well, late last week, President Donald Trump um, announced who he was going to pick to be the chief agriculture negotiator for the U.S. Trade Representative's office. So that's someone who really deals with the agriculture issues when it comes to trade with us, whether it's in trade agreements and setting up what we would like to see if in agriculture to be represented either in just direct trade with countries or in those trade agreements. So we'll talk about who that person is. They are from our listening area. Oh, really? Yes. So extra importance there. So that will come up at the 1213. For the 1219, Dewey is joined with Jason Ladman. He's director of Water Street Solutions. Their topic today is dealing with people problems on the farm. They have that quoted, people problems. <laughs> well, that makes sense. They are people. They are problems. Yes. And then for the newsmaker, I am going to have uh, USDA on, and it's uh, an agriculture engineer out of the Meat Animal Research Center in Clay Center, Nebraska. They created a heat stress app. So it's an app that you can put on your phone to help detect when there might be a heat stress event, and it's really geared towards those feedlots operators and producers so they can get advance notice to possibly take care of it ahead of time and prepare for those events during the summer as mm-hmm. it's getting warmer and warmer and then for the 117 Shaley peters is going to preview a grazing conference that will be coming up here in nebraska i'm, I'm hearing in the back of my head dave thorell reacting to another <laughs> app to detect yeah. heat stress yeah you have to have the phone to have the app. Maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> Bob could use it now. That's true. I Bob's, suppose so. Bob's become quite the tech savvy recently. I have. <laughs> Relative. <laughs> That's the rumor, anyway. Of course, they say by the rumor, sell the fact. Okay, here we go with uh, Jason Jorgensen on sports. Well, there were a lot of folks yesterday and last night, thousands, in fact, who stood in long lines to get into TD Ameritrade Park. Everyone had anticipated this matchup of the CWS between Oregon State and LSU. Yeah. They each had been on long winning streaks. When the dust had settled, Oregon State had won it 13-1 to and pretty much made a statement that they are the team to beat in Omaha. So we will uh, recap recap that one. They had more than 42,000 fans show up for the two games yesterday, TD Ameritrade Park. That was a record, and that two games will continue looks, today. Yeah, that's, that stadium looks impressive. It did. Mm-hmm. Best when it's full. Also coming up, we will tell you about Husker Jack McVay. He will be representing his country for Australia with basketball this summer. And uh, we'll hit a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, big game for the Royals tonight at Kauffman Stadium. They'll look to keep it going against Chris Sale and the Boston Red Sox. Yes, sir. All right, Bob Brogan over here. First day of summer, business is going how? Stocks are easing lower in midday trading on Wall Street. A day after big gains from tech companies pushed indexes to their latest record highs. Also, we're watching as the price of crude oil has fallen to $43.00 and some change per barrel, which uh, folks are getting pretty excited about. Um, also, the U.S. deficit expanded to $116 billion. Yeah. So those are the things we're watching. A lot of eyes on that crude oil price today. We'll have that and more as we follow it here for you on Midday. 
We bring Paul Perkins into the studio to bring us up to speed on what's going on in ag weather, brought to you by Kuhlman Repair. And we could see some severe weather later on today. It looks like they have shifted that a slight risk for some severe weather over Kansas, more towards the southwest and su- central portions of Kansas, especially if you're along and south of a line from about Hill City to Ellsworth. So once again, southwest and central portions of Kansas, a slight risk of severe storms today. Otherwise, we are warming up warmer and more humid conditions today thanks to some low pressure developing over northeast Colorado. That's lifting that warmer air and moisture to the north. Thunderstorms possible late today into the evening. Over portions of southwest Nebraska, it looks like they have removed the rain chances now for central Nebraska, but we should see some shower and thunderstorm development over southwest Nebraska on into nearby parts of Kansas in the central and east, and some of those could be severe. And once again, that slight risk of severe storms covering southwest and much of central Kansas, or once again, southwest of a line from about Hill City to around Ellsworth, Kansas. So thunderstorm chances diminished greatly after midnight tonight. Strong ridge of high pressure that's been bringing that heat to the desert southwest. That will push even warmer air into our area for tomorrow. Most of the day tomorrow, the atmosphere going to be capped for any thunderstorms to develop. But once that cap breaks, severe weather will be possible. Kind of like when you're shaking a pop can dirk and all of a sudden then kaplooey. So it could be one of those situations for tomorrow. It doesn't sound like I want to be standing in front of that. No. Uh, late tomorrow and tomorrow night, those thunderstorms possible near a dry line over western Nebraska and Kansas and also over a front over northern Nebraska. Those storms will then track to the east and northeast. More thunderstorms that could be severe or possible with the front that sinks southeast on Thursday. It's going to be much cooler behind that front for Friday into the weekend. Chances for rain will linger on into Saturday night. We're talking mainly just some rain chances and some below normal temperatures as we head towards the weekend. In our long term, there's a good likelihood of Cooler than the normal temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas early next week. Temperatures, though, begin to warm to around seasonal and above normal levels the middle of next week through the 3rd of July. Precipitation forecast expects near-normal rainfall Sunday through July 3rd in Nebraska and Kansas. Early next week, though, it'll be closer to drier to normal in much of west and central Nebraska. It'll be wetter than normal, though, early next week across southern Kansas. El Nino is unlikely to return this year. As the cooling Pacific Ocean temperatures are allaying worries that El Nino could reappear. Earlier forecast models suggest El Nino could have occurred no later than early next year, but right now there's no sign of it forming. El Nino can lead to a heavy flooding in parts of North and South America and severe drought in parts of Southeast Asia. Weather factors driving the market trade today include favorable conditions for corn and soybean development, across the Midwest, a tropical disturbance in Louisiana and the Delta, and limited rain for the northern plains. A potential tropical storm should reach the Gulf Coast of western Louisiana or eastern Texas tomorrow night or Thursday morning before moving inland. The main impact should be some heavy rains that lead to flooding. Rain will return to the Midwest in advance of a cold front to help out corn and soybean development. Much of the western states looks to remain hot and dry, including record-breaking heat through the weekend in the desert southwest. Cooler than normal weather will prevail in most areas from the plains to the east. Only limited rain in the northern plains expected in the next seven days. That lack of heat will limit the crop stress. More rain is needed for spring wheat in the northern plains. The portion of the spring wheat crop rated very poor to poor rose from 23 to 64 percent in South Dakota. 2 to 37% in Montana, and it rose from 6 to 24% 
very poor to poor in North Dakota. Nationally, more than a quarter of the spring wheat rated very poor to poor. It will be mostly favorable, though, in the southern plains for their maturing of winter wheat and the harvest with the heat. Stress to corn and sorghum, though, will increase, but cooler periods will ease that stress. Rain that occurred in the Canadian prairies this past week improved the conditions for crops in the central and east areas after an extended dry spell. All right, always a case of the haves and the have-nots, I guess. Your ag weather is brought to you by Coolman Repair. Uh, and that darn El Nino always throwing a tantrum. Yep, uh, but, but it looks like you won't be t- throwing his tantrum this year, so we <laughs> won't have any freaky weather conditions due to it. All right, just stocking up for next year. Yeah, probably, sure. yeah. All right. When you need weather anytime, krvn.com. agriculture information on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. President Donald Trump on Friday announced his intent to nominate the chief agriculture negotiator, and that would be Gregory Dowd of Kansas to be that position. He's currently serving as president of the Commodity Markets Council, where he has served since 2013. Prior to that, he was senior professional staff member for the Senate Agriculture Committee for Senator Pat Roberts. While working for the Senate Ag Committee, Mr. Dowd served in drafting the 2012 Senate Farm Bill, along with the legislation regarding many other issues. He spent eight years as a chief economist for the National Cattlemen's Weave Association and has also worked for the U.S. Weed Associates and the World Perspectives Firm. He was raised on a farm near Mankato, Kansas, and owns part of his family's farm that is more than 100 years old and operated by his parents. He received his degrees from Kansas State University. And the American Soybean Association is excited to see him filling this role. He says that they is he is a farm policy veteran with a wealth of experience and solid understanding the vital role trade plays in the U.S. agriculture economy. He also served as an international trade analysis for the American Soybean Association. The upcoming grazing conference has a lot in store for cattlemen this year, and Shaley Peters has more. With speakers like Jim Garrish and Steve Waller kicking the conference off, cattlemen are in for two full days of education. Darren Redfern, associate professor with the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, says the producer panel is something they're looking forward to as well. The big thing we've got going on on the on the second day, we've got a, uh, a producer panel that's uh, set up kind of like a... Uh, Kind of like a mini conference, if you will. Uh, we've got John Maddox and, and Jim Jenkins on the producer panel, and they're going to talk about some of the some of the strategies that they've used over the years, and and maybe some of the things that have worked, and some of the things that as they haven't worked. Registration is open now, and while walk-ins are welcome, you can save yourself twenty bucks by registering before August first. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters. The Board of Directors of the Little Blue NRD took action on their June 15th Board of Directors meeting to impose an immediate temporary stay on the drilling of new high-capacity water wells throughout the district. Capacity water wells are those which pump over 50 gallons per minute, and the vote was 8. Nine to eight. According to the manager of the district, they say the stay is being enforced to give the board time to complete revisions to the current groundwater rules and regulations without creating a spike in new well drilling. They say that the current triggers allows for far too much aquifer depletion before implementation of controls 
which could preserve the resource, and they say that the working to change the rules would be more proactive in managing the underground water supplies. The temporary stay began with the board's action on June 15th and will terminate on December 12th. The winter and spring of 2017 did not see the financial shakeout many financial experts expected after three consecutive years of declining net farm income. In fact, lenders and other ag industry representatives at the Kansas City Federal Reserve Bank annual meeting ag symposium last week were not wriggling their hands yet. There are pockets of more severe financial strain, such as dryland wheat country in the western plains and in the southeast U.S. through lenders at the symposium did not report an excessive amount of troubled loans thus far. More information about this story and others can be found by visiting RollRadio.com. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Dealing with people problems on the farm. That's our topic of discussion today with Jason Ladman, Director of Water Street Solutions. So we'll start off with that, Jason. What do farm leaders need to know about dealing with these people issues? Well, you know, as you lead your operation through growth, part of that growth process will typically involve the addition of more people. And when you first started farming, maybe it was just you on the farm with some seasonal help, like the retired farmers potentially helping during harvest, or maybe you had some high school help in the summer months. But as your operation grew in size and complexity, you know, I'm sure there was a time that you started to hire an employee or two and perhaps the addition of more family members. And suddenly you had to deal not only with the types of day-to-day problems that you were used to working through, but now there were more people problems as well. And problems of any type can be complex, whether they're related to production issues or business challenges. But when you compare these problems to the types of issues that can come along with human beings, whether they're employees or family members working on the farm, there's something that seems trickier about people situations. We're talking with Jason Ladman, Water Street Solutions. How can the leader deal with these issues? Well, when you're the farm's leader, you're the one that's dedicated to coordinating the resources and the people to get everything done in the most efficient manner. And that can often mean directing employees and family members for a good portion of your day. And I know that many a farm leader, or any business leader for that matter, has been known to think or maybe even say out loud, you know what, business would be a lot easier if it weren't for the people. And we may believe that would be the case and that would be better uh, if everyone else would just approach life the same way as we do. But really, in fact, that isn't true. But what is true is that people and their issues can be complex, and they do require a large amount of time and energy. And no one really ever has enough of those two things. But there are ways to inspire the commitment and the cooperation of everyone involved on your farm, and it really all starts just with understanding yourself and others better. Well, Jason, how can we make that happen? Well, first of all, it's usually best to face challenges around working with others head-on, rather than trying to avoid situations that might make us uncomfortable. So that may mean confronting an employee about a performance-related issue or talking with a family member about their future role on the farm. And when you know more about yourself and others on the farm, each unique personality and what makes it tick, you can use that knowledge to motivate others better, solve conflicts more effectively, and ultimately run your operation more efficiently. And applying what you can learn from personality assessments helps when it comes to any number of people issues that come up on the farm. You see, working to understand 
understand other people, especially our family members and others involved on the farm, can bring a huge payoff when it comes to the trust level and the commitment of everyone in the operation. And as communication flows better, the people on the farm may feel less frustration or tension and, in fact, may be able to persevere better and add more value. And as a part of your role as the farm's leader, commit to getting a better understanding of people. And I would suggest that you start with yourself and understanding yourself better. And if you have questions on how to do that and would like to discuss some of the options that are available, please give us a call. We'd love to discuss how you can start to understand yourself and even your employees better. And if you have more questions about this or any other topic, go to waterstreet.org or call this number, 866-249-2528. That's waterstreet.org or 866-249-2528. Today we've talked about dealing with people problems on the farm with Jason Ladman, Director, Water Street Solutions. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time for us to check sports. Here's Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, Oregon State continues to roll through the field in college baseball as the Beavers beat LSU 13-1 last night for its 23rd straight win. The top-seeded or the top-seeded Beavers, who matched their school record winning streak that they'd set earlier this year, took control of bracket one. They now will not play until Friday and need just one more victory to advance to next week's best-of-three finals. And head coach Pat Casey was pleased to see his team seize the moment. These guys, we just talked before the game about, you know, this is our time, this is our opportunity, this is what we came here for. Let's not let's not miss that that moment. So you know the guys played great. LSU had its 17 game winning streak end with its biggest loss to the CWS since they lost 20 to six back to Cal State Fullerton in 1994. They face elimination tomorrow afternoon when they take on Florida State. Two more games are on tap today at one Central Time. Texas A&M battles TCU on the winners bracket matchup tonight. Has Florida against Louisville. Winning streaks are on the line when Arizona and Colorado, probably the two most surprising teams in baseball this season, start a big three-game series at Coors Field. The Rockies have won five straight. They own the best record in the National League at 46-26. and They are 20 games above 500 for the first time since 2009. Zach Granke pitches for the Diamondbacks, winners of seven in a row. They are just a game behind Colorado on the NL West at 44-26. This is Arizona's best 70-game start in team history. And Red Sox ace Chris Sale comes off his best start in more than a month, and he's only lost during that span when he takes to the mound in Kansas City. The major league leader in strikeouts allowed one run and just four hits over eight innings while taking a one nothing loss to Philadelphia last Thursday. Now Boston expects to be without Dustin Pedroia for a second consecutive game after the second baseman was hit by a pitch on Sunday night in Houston. Kansas City's been on a roll. The Royals have won eight out of nine to pull within one game of the 500 mark since mid-April. Former Husker Ty Webster is taking part in his fourth pre-draft NBA workout today with the Golden State Warriors. He's also worked out with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Sacramento Kings. And Nebraska junior forward Jack McVay will join an exclusive list of Husker basketball players as he was selected today to represent his home country of Australia in this year's World University Games. McVay is one of just 12 players selected by Basketball Australia for the event. Last year in 30 games for the Huskers, he averaged about 8 points and 3 rebounds per game. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More middays just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
Mostly clear tonight, though a slight chance of thunderstorms. Lows tonight in the 60s. I'm Dave Schroeder. Testimony is resumed in a lawsuit that alleges religious and other bias on the part of a South Central Nebraska apartment owner and his property manager. The trial began yesterday in Lexington for Gerald Rich, owner of Cottonwood Apartments Complex, and his property manager, Lori Rennick. The state attorney general's office filed the action in November 2015. Among the allegations, the two disparaged the tenant's national origin and their Muslim religion, entered the apartments at unreasonable hours and without notice, didn't do repairs, and charged the tenants for damage they didn't cause. The defense attorney said in his opening remarks yesterday that there was no discrimination, that landlord-tenant disputes are common, and that the allegations against Rich and Rennick have been blown out of proportion. Central Nebraska has a chance to experience the 2017 total solar eclipse this August, and the city of Broken Bow is taking full advantage of the opportunity. Custer Economic Development Corporation, Broken Bow Chamber of Commerce, City of Broken Bow, and Custer County Ag Society are in collaboration to put on an event the weekend of the eclipse on August 18th through the 21st. CEDC Executive Director Deb McCaslin says this event is bringing in people from coast to coast. It's because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see a total eclipse out of the center of Nebraska. We're anxious and excited about sharing our community and the, the wonderful good life in Coastal County. Officials are preparing disaster aid requests in the wake of bad weather that struck both ends of Nebraska last week. Nebraska Emergency Management Agency spokeswoman Jody Fall said that the agency is gathering information about damage in more than 30 counties. Three tornadoes touched down in the Nebraska panhandle on Monday. Four tornadoes struck eastern Nebraska in a Friday storm that carried howling straight-line winds and blinding rain as well. A 25-year-old accused of being the getaway driver in a fatal Lincoln drug robbery has been sent to prison. Tariq Jackson was sentenced Monday to six years. Prosecutors say Jackson had driven two robbers to a Lincoln residence in April of last year. By the time they'd left, 32-year-old Christopher Coleman had been fatally shot and 21-year-old Jerry Griffiths had been wounded. A former Kansas legislator who was the Republican nominee for governor in 2006 is running for the office again. Former state senator Jim Barnett is appealing to Republican voters who are upset with GOP Governor Sam Brownback and his now-ended tax-cutting experiment. Barnett was launching his campaign and planned stops in nine cities over two days. Get your news fast and first when you like our Facebook page. In the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Changing technologies can help producers every day, just like an app that can forewarn you about heat stress for feedlot cattle. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. With me is Dr. Tammy Brown-Brendel. She is an agriculture engineer with USDA, located out of the Meat Animal Research Center in Clay Center, Nebraska. Tammy, you have created this heat stress app. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this app and what it can do and the premise behind it? Well, we've, had, we've been forecasting cattle heat stress on a website for the last about 8 to 10 years, and we decided that producers really have changed the way they work in the last few years and really went to smartphones. So what we did was we took our, our heat stress prediction 
and which takes temperature, relative humidity, um, wind speed, and cloud cover, and combines them into a simple one um, parameter equation. So you can predict cattle heat stress looking at all of those factors. And it gives a graphical um, view of the whole United States. Um, So green is normal and yellow is alert and orange is danger and red is emergency, just like like, um, the radar sort of works. Um, The data comes from the National Weather Service and um, it's put out we we update our app once a day and you get a seven day forecast on on the app if you drop a a location where your feedlot is it will then push notifications um, and you get to choose what what frequency you get those so if you want a three-day heads up to a heat event coming you can pick that or a five-day heads up or a seven-day um, advance notice of any impending heat stress and it it'll push notifications if we're in the upper danger or emergency categories so times that you need to take action with the app how are you hoping this will help producers stay on top of things or operators that work at a feed yard so two different things it does. First of all, it'll allow you to know when there's impending heat stress um, because it's not just temperature. But the other thing, and it does that by pushing those notifications to the iPhone. So it does that by pushing notifications to the screen of your, your smartphone. But also, it also has some information about what the different signs of heat stress are. So new feedlot operators or new, new pen writers can look at that signs of heat stress and know when they should take action. Also, it gives you things to do before an event and things to do when you're experiencing an extreme heat event. Being prepared for a heat stress event is the best thing that you can do. You're able to better manage through that event. But what are some of those things that producers and operators should take care of ahead of time? Okay, so before a heat event, like if you want to start planning, is you want to make sure that you have adequate water supply to your stock tanks. Make sure that the refill rate can refill those summer tanks because remember that it's not just one that has to fill, it's, it's all of them in the line that are on one line. So make sure that even if all of them are trying to refill at the same time, that they can all get refilled so all the cattle have water. You can look at, consider adding shade to the lot, at least for sure over your sick pens and possibly over other pens for vulnerable animals, dark-hided animals or animals getting ready to ship. The other thing that people don't, don't usually consider is removing manure in the pens because what happens if you have a lot of manure buildup in the pens, it prevents rain from washing off, and it actually is a giant sponge in the in the feedlot. So when we get a rain event, that water just collects and doesn't actually get out of the pen, and it absorbs in that manure. And then when it gets hot, then it's the manure dries out, but it, all of that moisture goes into the air, creating really humid conditions for the cattle in the feedlot. 
When it does come to heat stress in cattle, what are some of those things that producers should take mind of if they are out checking the cattle? It's during that heat event. You've got the forewarn notice. What are some of those things that producers can do? So what you can do is really work on not moving those animals. Don't take them out of the pen during a heat event. If you absolutely need to ship cattle, you need to do it early, early in the morning, get them to their destination. If you have to work cattle, do it earlier in the morning so they can get back into their pen before 8 or 9 in the morning. If you start wetting animals, remember that you have to use large droplets, not a fine mist. Large droplets would wet the animals clear to the hide, and you need to saturate that hair coat clear down to the skin surface. And remember that the animals lose heat by the evaporation of that moisture, not by the application. You have to run an intermittent spray, so you want to cool them down and then let it, let it all dry out before you re- reapply the water. Don't run them on a continuous basis. And so you don't want to create mud spots in your in your yard. You can get the ground wet, that's fine, but don't create mud in the in the lot. Also, if you start wetting cattle, you need to continue to wet them until the situation has till the nighttime temperatures have went down and the daytime temperatures have went down. Those are some of the things you can do in the middle of a heat event. We've been talking with Dr. Tammy Brown-Brendel. She is an agriculture engineer at USDA, located at the Meat Animal Research Center in Clay Center, Nebraska. She has created the Heat Stress app. It is available on iPhone and Android, simply called Heat Stress. You can also visit theworldradio.com. Our website will also have QR codes to be able to then download the app. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Back on the Rural Radio Network as we get a review of the livestock futures trade. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yes, sir. Well, nice day, uh, actually, uh, better than yesterday. We uh, actually finished mixed in the uh, live cattle and uh, oh, triple-digit losses in the uh, uh, feeders, but uh, not nearly what the amount was in as of yesterday. So, good good short covering appeared uh, uh, late in the session uh, uh, I think the markets got a little overdone uh, uh, cash uh, basically uh, uh, still on the weak side cut out sharply lower at noon uh, so things are uh, kind of following through but uh, uh, we did get some uh, what appeared to be some short co- covering and some bottom picking uh, in the uh, in both the cattle and the feeders so not as bad as what we've seen lately, but uh, I don't expect the volatility to go away anytime soon. Over in the hogs, we did have a fairly decent day. Cash leading the way once again. Uh, it's been a cash-led market the whole way. Cut out sharply higher, led by the pork bellies, over $10 higher in bellies. So pretty good demand for bacon, it appears, and uh, that's what's uh, really driving the cash. So uh, a positive day there, led by the uh, July contract, uh, the rest kind of following after being mostly lower all day long. So all in all, um, a more benign type of day in, uh, in the livestock day uh, compared to a recent day. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. You can get a hold of him at 800-328-0134. I'm Dewey Nelson. 
The 2017 Nebraska Grazing Conference is coming up for cattlemen. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. Here to visit with us today about that is Darren Redfern. He's an associate professor, Department of Agronomy and Horticulture at the University of Nebraska, Lincoln. And Darren, as registration opens up for this year's conference and cattlemen start to kind of consider what's going to be on the agenda, talk to us about some of the highlights here. You know, we uh, are pretty excited about the the conference this year. We've got quite a uh, number of different speakers uh, from a lot of different organizations and, and agencies. And, and I think probably what I, I would consider one of the keynote events this year is we've got uh, Jim Garrish uh, will be on the program on the first day on, on Tuesday only. One of the items that we had added some of the surveys were uh, with a lot of the intensive grazing management that's going on so you know where to place fences and water points and and jim garish is going to give a presentation very first thing on on tuesday morning that he's actually going to talk about fences and water points and and where we should place them a couple of other things we've got we've also got peter ballerstadt who's a uh, forage product manager with with baron brug and one of his presentations is going to be about grass-based health and the ruminant revolution and that's not necessarily about uh grass-fed beef if you will but it's more about the importance of of that the ruminants serve on a lot of the grasslands that we manage uh on the second day he's going to be talking a little bit about selecting cool season grasses for irrigated or dry land conditions uh, a couple of other highlights we've got uh nancy peterson is the 2016 leopold conservation award winner probably the big thing we've got going on on the on the second day we've got a uh, a producer panel we've got john maddox and and jim jenkins on the producer panel and they're going to talk about some of the some of the strategies that they've used over the years and and maybe some of the things that have worked and some of the things that as they haven't worked. After that, we've got Aaron Berger and Jay Parsons. Both of those guys are from the University of Nebraska, and they're going to kind of follow up on some of the uh, processes they've got with some of these input costs as we talk about managing our, managing our dollars, where can we best use our, our inputs and how uh, more effectively they can be used in a lot of our management strategies on some of these grasslands that we manage. So a very full two days for cattlemen then. Give us some of the details, when this is, where this is, what it's going to cost for cattlemen here. Yes, so so the conference itself is on uh, Tuesday, August the 8th is the first day. It continues on to mid-afternoon Wednesday, August the 9th. So if you've registered before, you should have received a, an email from the Center for Grassland Studies. Uh, if you haven't, received one or if you're like me and you've received it and can't find it uh, you can go to www.grassland.unl.edu you can click on the link up at the top of the page that says Nebraska Grazing Conference and then there's a link to the upcoming conference on there that'll give you all the um, information there with uh, how you can uh, so I've got a, a schedule it's got a registration and then also the uh, hotel and conference location which will be at the ramada inn there in carney right great darren thanks for all the information darren redfern associate professor with the university of nebraska lincoln talking about their upcoming nebraska grazing conference for more you can visit grassland.unl.edu forward slash current dash conference i'm shaley peters and you're listening to the rural radio network
Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Well, the grain markets today, well, we saw a mixed uh, trade. We saw corn and uh, soybeans lower, while we saw wheat churn higher, led by the spring wheat futures. The biggest leader today was spring wheat. Everyone expected a 2 to 4% increase in the good to excellent ratings, and we didn't see it. It was a 4% decrease, which makes it three weeks and we're down 21% on the good to excellent rating, which is the biggest decline I've seen in, in, in any crop in some time. So on paper, that crop's falling apart, and, and talking to farmers, I'm hearing the same thing. So, you know, for us, we've seen the weather shift to a little bit cooler, wetter pattern, and that's what's, you know, that's what's breaking corn apart here. So the biggest thing right now that guys need to follow is probably this spring wheat because if there's a catalyst that's going to pump this market up it's going to be the wheat market and i'm hearing i'm hearing some talk that if we drop this yield far enough down overall in the spring wheat market that we're going to uh we're going to see either a zero or negative carry and and that spring wheat's a niche market so we need those bushels and definitely and when uh, you see this upside potential in wheat it seems to be there for maybe a few more sessions before we get to maybe next friday's report i could see us continuing to rally for several weeks here you know it's a long time till we plant wheat again especially spring wheat so yeah that's true mark uh, let's look at that december corn contract we fell below the 390 level we haven't done that in a while not sure that with this upside potential is really there for uh, the short term is it i don't see it for the short term the weather is just too mild here especially for illinois um we're you know friday through tuesday of of the end of this week through next week we don't we're not going to see a high above 78 so there's just rain in the forecast and a mild temperature and and that's that's conducive for a big corn crop all right thanks so. thanks for the comments mark that's from Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. By the way, corn finished near its lows of the day. Soybeans as well, as we saw a double-digit loss in July, August, and September soybeans. And our thanks to Mark at Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago for subbing for Craig Turner. I'm Dewey Nelson.